Hello, this is Michelle from the Lost to Light podcast. I'm here today with my co-host Angie. Hi. And we have a special guest on board today. Angie, how's how's everything going for you? Oh, you know, Michelle, it's going pretty okay. Just um we're well, I'll be home by the time this is done, but I am getting ready to go on vacation next week. So I'm looking forward to getting out of town for a little bit. <laughs> Where are you going? Uh, we are going to Costa Rica. Oh, so we have some friends that built a house there. And so we are going to go visit them and just to get away and take a break from it all. And I'm so excited, but I'll be back in business before this is even aired. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yes. Well, I'm going to introduce our guest today. Um, her name is Shannon. Sel Rubis. Did I say that right? You Rubis. did. Yeah. And I've known Shannon. You know, I was thinking about that the other day. How long have I known you? And so, I, so long. Oh, it's over 30 years. Yes. Yes. We're both nurses and we cross path in the nursing career more than once. So we go way back and Shannon um, lost her beautiful daughter, Sarah, um, at the age of 21. And so I asked Shannon to join us today because she, you know, has lost a, a, an adult child who was taken away from her, you know, too soon. And she has a couple of other daughters. And I thought, um, you know, they as a family, Shannon and her daughters, have actually come through the loss and trauma very well. And I would like to give a platform to Shannon to tell us about how she found her light. Hey, well, thank you. Um, thank you to both of you and thank you for inviting me on. And, and uh, I really hope that anything I say can be helpful. Um, Sarah was um, a great, you know, kid, you know, we all love our kids. She was very active in sports and she was actually in college at the time um, getting ready to go to nurses training. She was taking those um, pre-courses. And maybe I should back up for a minute and just tell you a little bit about myself. I grew up in a small town and um, actually have gone back and remodeled my parents' house and lived there once again and had really a wonderful childhood and just a, a really nice life. And I will tell you, my uh, nice life changed when... Um, I lost Sarah, and um, I also lost a set of twin boys um, at birth, and uh, it changes you a little bit. So um, if you have people asking, you know, uh, because they don't understand what it's like to lose someone, that you really are never that same person again, but they're just trying to help, I think. But I think that's one thing that I would say to people is to remember that once you lose someone significant to you, you really change. But back to Sarah. So she actually was with her boyfriend that night and um, she had been canceled at work. There's so many um, if onlys and like that, you know, things that could have been, but uh, they were farm kids and headed out to do chores and, um, uh, encountered a deer. And so they went into a ditch 
And when you look at the ditch, you just think, um, well, how did that happen? Because it wasn't um, a really steep ditch, but they did take the pickup and uh, came out of it, uh, the ditch, and she was thrown out of the pickup out of her, and um, she died instantly is what we were told. And so, um, and her boyfriend tried to revive her. There were people across, you know, trying to help. And, but she uh, really probably died instantly. I was at a wedding that night and they had a hard time getting a hold of all of us. And in fact, I think people in the community knew about it before uh, some of the family. Uh, but I have to tell you that I'm a little intuitive. I have been all of my life. And I do get messages from people that have passed on, and and I do know things that are going to happen occasionally. I've never been able to predict sporting events. I wish I could do that, but that's never been part of it. But um, that night, we, of course, had lots of neighbors over, and, and uh, as soon as uh, everyone traveled back to my house with the family, uh, we discussed the arrangements. But then... It was funny, but Sarah started talking to me immediately. She said, the first thing I remember her saying is, Mom, it's so nice to be out of my body. I'm so big. And then she said, I'm up here with the stars. And she was just so happy. She said, it's really so nice up here, Mom. Uh, and, of course, everyone's grieving. And, and I did share a little bit of that later on, but... It was a hard time for people to listen at that time to that. And then I really have to tell you another story that um, about her. Um, so her boyfriend was taken um, to a hospital and was on a suicide watch, and we were worried about him. And so about 2 o'clock in the morning, she woke me up, and she said, Mom, you have to call the hospital. You have to talk to Mike, to her boyfriend. And and uh, I said, Sarah, I, I just feel like that's a crazy thing to do. It's the middle of the night. What are those nurses going to think of me when I call the nurse's station? And, and certainly they don't want to wake him up. So um, I went ahead and I called. And uh, they put me through to the nurse's station immediately at this very large hospital where he was. And I got his nurse. And she said, I am so glad you called. He's been asking for Sarah's mom all night long and she said he's wide awake his parents had come from across the state and they had just walked in so um i talked to him then they transferred me down there and of course he's sobbing and i said um the message that sarah gave to me was that it was her time to go and that she was going to go irregardless and she doesn't want you to feel bad. She said it just happened the way it happened. And she wants you to start living your life again, but you mustn't feel bad. It was her time. And uh, so, um, you know, I told him that. I hope it helped him. I know he had a hard time for a long time, but um, I have never felt like it wasn't Sarah's time to go. And uh, one thing that when I do, I really try to call and talk to people when I hear someone's lost a child. Or, but I really try to listen because not everyone is at the same place. You know, um, with young children, they might 
think they're comforting you by saying, oh, well, you'll have more children or time heals the grief or, but it's a different type of grief losing a child. I felt differently losing uh, my parents than I did losing my children. You know, it's just not something that goes away. So um, I have a question um, uh that popped into my head. So, so you had a total of five children, the twins, were they your mm-hmm. first? They were. They were, they were the first two. Right. And then Sarah is what? She third, fourth, or fifth? She's the youngest. She'd be the fifth. Fifth. So you lost your oldest two. Yes. Yes. Okay. So, um, so, um, you know, we had, I, I'm not sure. I don't want to, I want to be sure that I'm helping you here too. Um, because I know we're, finding the light. So for me, and I always knew that even though it's horrible and I miss her every day, every day I miss her, it was her time to go and she had things to do in heaven. And I I do have a strong faith and I'm also just very spiritual too. You know, I do believe that we um, have that means of communication and, um, I will just tell you briefly about a book I'm writing. I was uh, very ill, and um, I actually uh, was coded. So I had a little trip to heaven where I did get to see Sarah and her little dog that had just passed away a couple weeks before I got sick. And then I was on a ventilator. And um, so, you know, I had a lot of messages, actually, from Uh, my three aunts that were up there that spoke with me. And the thing that occurs to me all the time is that earth is about a lot of lessons and how you handle yourself and how you help other people. And heaven is really home because they were doing a job. They were welcoming babies and children across into heaven, but they were so happy and it was just beautiful up there. Now that is, um, you know, but I wanted to talk about the Sarah story. So, um, you know, I I watched a lot of shows. I tried to read a lot of literature. And uh, there were a couple things that made me get up every morning. One, uh, one was actually the two other girls, my other daughters. They were having just a, you know, a terrible time. And so, you know, I needed to take care of them. You know, that's something I wanted to do. How, and, how old were they? Um, they were all adults because they're older. So Sherry actually had a one-year-old and Samantha was just married. So, okay. And I've got great son-in-laws. They took good care of the girls and they lived a long ways away from me. So I did a lot of traveling and talking to them on the phone. And, and then, um, it occurred to me that I knew all these people that had lost children, I guess until it happens to you, you just don't realize you know, how painful it is losing a husband, you know, like Michelle, the way she did and Angie, you uh, losing your child at the age of one, you just don't realize. And so I really thought we talked, the three of us, and we really started trying to reach out. Even when we didn't know people, we try to send a note in the mail when we see something. And, you know, sometimes people would reach back and sometimes they didn't. But I think that was how we came to our light And um, my other daughter also is intuitive. 
actually they both are to some extent, but she said, you know, mom, I never could see Sarah past the age of 21 years old. And I just thought that's just so interesting to me that she, she never could see that. You know, I, Shannon, I, that's, I mean, that's just beautiful. And I, I'm curious, um, if you could share with our listeners, um, for someone that's not intuitive or, um, you know, their faith or their belief is shattered or shaken because of a loss, for example, um, how can they, how can they move forward and how can they find that? How can they get back to that? You know, I, do you have any suggestions um, for them? I think speaking directly to them, you know, asking for a sign, you know, and I've spoken with so many people that, like you said, they don't have that intuitiveness. And yet I think to some extent we have a little bit in each one of us. So I would say talk directly to that person, let them know you love them. Hey, can you show me a sign? And I've just been amazed at the signs. Um, I had sort of a funny one with an old boss. She um, had lost someone. Her best friend had passed away. And so she was asking me about it. And I said, well, you know, the only thing that I keep seeing is this lemon martini. That night, you know, she, uh, well, no, I'm sorry. The night before, she'd gone out with a bunch of the girls that knew them. And they'd had lemon martinis. But they always had lemon martinis every time they went out. And so... And so, and then um, sometimes I think, what is the first thing that comes to you? Oh, I love that. You know, and it's hard when it's yourself to really believe that you're feeling this, and this is really um, your loved one that's coming through, but you should believe it because they are visiting you and trying to help you. I I love that. You know, like how you said you talk to talk to them. So when I'm, I'm a huge journaler. So after my son had died, that's what I did was journal. But I noticed in the beginning of my journaling, I would always talk to Garrett. I would talk to, like I was writing everything. I was talking to him, but you know, then it changed as the time went on and I was actually then just journaling kind of about myself and my feelings. But in the beginning I was talking to him. So yeah, it was interesting. And I, I don't know if I was doing that. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I was aware that I was doing that or what, but that was just my way of like, when I first started, I couldn't sleep in the evenings, you know? So like I'd wake up and I'd be crying. And so I would journal until I stopped crying. And, but I was just, you know, I'd be talking to Garrett and I love though that I have those because, um, I can look back on those and, and, and it just, it brings me comfort is. and peace really and, that. and knowing that he was know, with me, you know, I the whole so time. Fortunate because Sarah had this group of friends, they were just so good, but they would call me and they'd say, last night I had a dream about Sarah and she was, maybe they'd have a problem or something and, and they'd be, she'd be telling them what to do. A couple of years ago, one of the girls had a two-year-old and, and they noticed the two-year-old, um, kept talking to someone, you know, and uh, on the monitor, they were watching this child in the monitor and they said, well, who are you talking to? You know? And he said, well, she's really pretty. And you know, it's your friend, mom, it's your friend. She comes down and plays with me, you know? And uh, I, I mean, I just, um, 
I have, and, and they have been so good to me, her friends and, and my girls are, you know, her sisters are very good too. And I mean, there were so many things like the, the, uh, so we had three girls together and the street right up from where she passed over was three sisters Avenue. And then oh, it, wow. was, it was parallel to all saints highway. And uh, so, and then, you know, my, uh, you know, son-in-law was joking uh, because she was at Iowa and there's a big rivalry with Iowa state. So he and Sherry graduated from Iowa state and, Anyway, uh, Iowa had beat Iowa State that year, so he went outside, and here's this Iowa Hawk dive bombing him, you know, which you know does not happen. You just don't see that. And so he uh, he told uh, my daughter, he said, "Yep, that was that Sarah, you know, instigating that just because we lost the game." So, but um, and and through the years too, we just have. You know, we just always know that she's there. We can always feel her. And songs will come on. Maybe I would advise people, um, you know, when there's a song, you know, that's meaningful. Maybe it was their favorite song. They're visiting with you or giving you some kind of a message. But I have to tell you, because I called my girls when I was so honored to be on this show uh, with Michelle and Angie. And I said, you know, what do we think here? What helps us the most? And and they um, helping other people and, and not giving advice, but mainly just listening as they work through it themselves. Because like you, you journaled, you know, you know, that's what helped you. And, and, you know, if I told you not to journal, you know, to do something different, then, you know, it's better to just listen and help people that way. Yes. Oh, I agree a hundred percent on that. And I, you know, that's, I, I started a small greeting card business. Um, and I sell, there are basically grief cards is what I sell. And it's just the things that I've heard along the way, or people have said to me, um, but my whole, my whole mission is just acknowledging the griever and listening to them. Cause we can't fix them. We can't fix the grief. We can't fix anything. Mm-hmm. And so yes, listening to that person, even if you hear the same story over and over again, you know, you, you just listen and be present. That's a, that's a great point. Sometimes you do listen to things over and over again. And you just want to like Michelle's book, you want to help them out of the bitterness, you know, and, um, I think uh, one thing I think helped me is when other widowed people reached out to me because I knew they knew what I was feeling. And that's what prompted me to start that widow group. And I'm sure it's probably the same, like when you lose a child, that when you have other parents that have lost a child reach out to you, there's just, because you know, you don't have to explain it all to them. Yeah. There's some, and you, and then sometimes, you know, like widow people that were further out than I was, for example, it gave me hope when I would see how good they were doing or how they had been able to go forward. I, I would say, okay, they are there. I'm going to get there too. Mm-hmm. So like, for you. I you like know. that. Yeah, it, it, I was really fortunate. Um, there were a number of friends, you know, just in my area that had lost children, and they all reached out and they 
maybe they came over and visited a couple times, several sent books that had really helped them. And um, it did help. And, mm-hmm. and the other thing is, too, that um, they listened to me and I tried to listen to them. Because with your friend that's experiencing grief, that grief just never goes away. And, you know, um, sometimes um, maybe you're more serious, but you are different after this happens to you. So, Oh, yeah. And how could you not be, right? (laughs) And we'd worry about you. So, right. Yeah. Right. That's right. Yeah. Right. We just had things all the time. Like, um, you know, uh, one of Sarah's friends made a cross, and it was um, at Riverside where this happened. And she put a cross out where it happened. And I go up there to visit that and decorate for the holidays. It was always mowed and, and, Someone had put out things, and so for a couple of years, I thought, "Well, it's probably the college kids. They're probably coming out there." And I finally, I thought, "No, those guys have all graduated." So I sent a letter to the house that was across this, you know, from the cross. And it was a man, an old man that had just lost his wife, and um, and then his daughters. I think he had five daughters, and so they didn't know who. Sarah was. They had no idea. But every year, you know, every holiday, they would go out and they would mow that and they would decorate it. And so then I went to uh, one of their Thanksgiving, uh, you know, and took them cookies and met everybody. And then oh, when the old neat. man passed away. You know, I went to the funeral up there. And But I thought, such good people to do that. Really, there are so many good people in the world. Yeah, that is a neat yeah. story. And don't you think, um, too, that, so I believe, I believe 100% that this is your Sarah bringing all these people together, you know, for whatever reasons, keeping the connections, making the connections to probably further your grief journey and, you know, kind of, um, help guiding people. Do you, do you feel that? I, I do because, um, you know, so many of her friends do have dreams and she, you know, talks to them like they'll have a problem and, and, or sometimes it's just a fun dream too. And it's been interesting because with all the different friends, she wears the white graduation dress, you know, that is in her graduation pictures. And, and, all of their dreams of all these different kids and people. She always has that same dress on. So I think that's her little sign too, you know, that it's authentic. I was just going to say that the thing that strikes me in this whole situation for you, Shannon, is that because there's, we know, we both know that there's those naysayers out there in the world, like that don't believe in this. that think we're crazy because we believe in signs or have the intuition that whatever it is. But the fact that she comes through to so many different people yeah. is amazing. Yeah, it is. Okay. And um, it is amazing, you know, and I know she's doing the work in heaven, too. Um, my book that will be coming out is Listening to the Light. So, I mean, I think that applies here, too, you know, because these it's light, you know, they're telling us it's nice over here, you know, and it's a lot of, I mean, to me, that's what I believe, you know, it's a lot of 
hard lessons down here, but how do you conduct yourself? Do you help other people? Um, neither one of you are bitter. You've done so well with everything and you help other people. And I have to say for me, it wasn't always that I wasn't bitter because I, I did go through quite a bit of anger because my husband's life was taken by a drunk driver. And so mm -hmm. there, I had that added um, component of, of that in with the grief stage, but I did get through it. And I'm, I'm glad I did because I feel like I'm better off because I've grown into the person I'm supposed to be. And part of that was letting go of all that bitterness. But um, I wanted to, and, and on that same thread, I know for you, you know, your daughter was a passenger. And I know from our personal conversations that, you hold absolutely no bitterness towards that young man. You know, I know. And, you know, my um, he actually was tried for uh, manslaughter or whatever. Uh, what would that be called? You know, vehicular manslaughter. Yeah. And uh, I went up and, and uh, testified and said I thought they should let him off. I mean, um, I, you know, I Sarah told me it was her time. That's what she told me. You can, know, can I ask why he was tried for that? Um, you know what? Uh, or, or do you, do you my, not want to my, talk about that? No, no, that's fine. My husband's an attorney. So one of his, um, uh, you know, colleagues actually ended up defending him. And he's a great criminal attorney, but they couldn't figure it out either. You know, I guess anyone could be tried, you know, if they were driving and someone was killed, you know, anyone could do that. But um, they felt it was just very unfair, you know, that they singled him out like that. But he didn't have to go to prison. And he suffered for so many years. I mean, he, he sent me Mother's Day presents. And, and uh, he suffered so much, you know. I, and I don't think he should have. You know, it was, it was her time. Wow. I... That shows a lot of strength and grace on your part. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know, but it was just, it was the right thing to do. You know, that's what we do. We try to do the next right thing. Right. So. Yeah. You know, and I think, I think some of it too is, you know, we have to, um, you know, I always believe we have to give grace, you know, a grace upon grace, no matter, no matter the situation, you know, because, um, even though like my losses, uh, they were all natural. Um, you know, my son died of a heart defect, you know, who there's no blame to be blamed. You know, my husband got cancer and he died, so there's no blame, you know? And I just, I feel like we, we have to step away from the blaming world, you know, and, um, we just, we can't. I don't know exactly how I'm trying to say this, but I mean, we just can't know what's going to happen, you know, to us. And we have to just lead with grace always, I guess. And, and I look back on my journey and I didn't lead with grace at first. I was very, very angry because somebody else. Well, understandably so. Yeah. And be overserved. Yeah. But you're right. Um, I did not heal until I forgave. Mm -hmm. but that's know, huge i always think that every emotion serves a purpose and i think about you know even though the nebraska legislature did not change the laws you know 
out of that, you guys did something really constructive, you know, you, right. Yeah, you I know, agree to that, mm -hmm. you know, and it, it forced us to do something. Yeah. Yeah. To better the world. And the other thing is that um, Sarah's boyfriend, this was not going to probably happen again, you know, unless it would be just another freak accident. But, you know, someone who's drinking and driving, you know, you did the right thing to try to stop that from happening again. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I also would like to touch base a little bit more um, about when you had your near-death experience. If you want to, like, if you feel comfortable talking a little bit more about that. And then, because I know I didn't know you were ill until a little bit later. Um, you were you were still very ill. And I heard from a friend that you were had um, almost yeah. died. And I reached out to you once I knew you had gotten out of the hospital to ask you, did mm -hmm. you have any, like, experiences? Because um, I knew you had a gift. And um, you weren't ready, quite ready to talk right away. I think you had to still process everything. But, but do know, you want to talk about this? Sure, sure. And I was processing. And and uh, Michelle will laugh at this. But um, so in true, uh, and this was a miracle. It really was. I had a um, oximeter. So I was testing my, you know, oxygen, um, you know, because I, I was had this respiratory illness and didn't feel well. So 2 o'clock in the morning, uh, for no reason, because I didn't have any shortness of breath, at all, I tested my O2 sat, saturation level, and it was in the 70s. So I said, well, we should probably go to the hospital. No big hurry. Let me pack my stuff. And, of course, in your 70s, you should probably should call the ambulance. <laughs> but, I mean, it's just what we do sometimes. But, anyway. That's I, the nurses in yeah, us. Yeah, it is. It's <laughs> own story about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And so um, my husband got me up to the hospital in record time and I was coding as they were carrying me through the door, you know? And so it was a miracle that I looked at those stats in the middle of the night and it was a miracle that they, and they did a wonderful job. They coded me. And so that was when I went to heaven and it was beautiful up there. Uh, for me, there were th like three levels. I remember climbing a mountain and I kept getting these, uh, messages, you know, these predictions of things that were going to happen in the future and, and um, you know, things that were going on that needed to be attended to. And I saw over to the side, I'd see my aunts. I saw my, uh, who actually had all graduated uh, from this hospital in nursing, which is... All three and, of them? All three of them. Yeah. And uh, so the level on the bottom was my three aunts giving me instructions, you know, and then the next level was actually, I could see them coding me, you know, I could look down and see everything. And then the next level up was actually Sarah and her little dog. And then in the back was this lighted entrance, which I knew was heaven. And I could tell, and the ants, um, I could tell they weren't going to let me in. So, um, they just communicated how happy they were and the colors were like there were greens that I had never seen before and it was just so pretty and and um, 
as a nurse, I want to talk about the coding part when you said you could watch yourself being coded. Now, the scientific part of me, like the nurse science part, and I know just from our personal chats we've had as you've been writing your book, can you share with our audience how you have validated with about what you saw in the OR in the hospital? Well, they were doing a, a great job, but they were frantic. But I didn't even watch them that much, you know, because it was just so nice up there. And um, but it's funny, but I had two nurses approach me uh, after I got out of the ICU afterwards. And they said, you know, we were in the ER that night. We didn't think we were going to save you, you know, so they were frantic. I mean, and then I watched them you know, of course, uh, putting medications in and intubating me. And, or no, they didn't intubate me there. They didn't intubate me. They just resuscitated me. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, it was that I didn't really pay that much attention to it. They, For some reason, I kept coming back down to the ants, and they were dressed in these beautiful white dresses and just giving me instructions, you know, and they were very stern because, you know, they were those – old-time nurses, you know, that were really stern, like my mom. My mom also graduated. And I called for my mom, and she didn't come. And then it was months later that I just sort of thought, well, she was she was in the emergency room. That's where she was. She was in there with them when they were working on me. But, um, you know, they uh, actually told me a lot of things and put a lot of things into perspective. And, and um and they were pretty stern and they, they were kind of like, well, what are you doing up here right now? You still have a lot of work to do. You're not staying. You're going to go right back down and get your work done, you know. So we, the girls and I kind of laughed about that afterwards, too, because that is really true to their personalities. So, And so where are you at in the process of your book? Well, I, I need to I've got to get it to um, a publisher that I've already talked to. And I guess I keep kind of, um, you know, picking it apart, thinking I can make it better. But I really do need to get it to the publisher that I talked to at the writer's workshop. And I do want to mention another thing, too, because uh, when I was in the ICU, I was on a ventilator. And I'm telling you, I could hear I remember all kinds of stuff. I remember a nurse getting bawled out by her supervisor in my room. And so afterwards, I was able to validate that. That really happened. And I then, guess that's what I was thinking. I knew yeah, you validated some stuff. Wow. I did. I talked to her best friend, and her best friend called the nurse. And yes, that happened in your room. And uh, then there was a priest in there. And I remember the priest giving me last rites because they didn't think I was going to live. And so I said to my husband afterwards, well, so you guys called the priest in to do last rites. And he says, oh, no, it was just the hospital priest. He was just up there to pray over you. Nobody was in the room. He wasn't doing that. Well, then I talked to my friend Kathy. And, well, and then I said, well, Steve, this priest had, he sounded like he was from Spain. He had this Spanish accent. So uh, then my friend Kathy came to visit me, and she said, well, I called the priest. He was the new priest. He was just over, you know, he was Spanish, and he, and had him go give you last rites. We didn't think you were going to make it. So, I mean, there was just, so I'm telling and you. And that was while you were on the ventilator yeah, and, and unconscious. Right. And so I 
actually put something out on Facebook about, you know, just wondering how many people had this experience, you know, and I remembered all kinds of stuff, but, um, I got so many replies. Yes, I remember what they were saying, you know, during surgery or when they coded me. So if there's ever a message, you should be saying very kind things to people that are unconscious. So <laughs> I I love that too because I've I've read stuff and heard stuff and you know, or you've seen it in movies or whatever that people are just kind of like oh, they can't hear you or they, they don't know what's going on or whatever. So I, I think this is great validation for people that, yes. So make sure, watch your P's and Q's if you don't, you know, when you're in a room with somebody or just tell them everything you want them to know just in case, you know? Yeah. 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 Even, um, yeah, maybe, maybe they have terminal cancer or something too. Maybe yeah. they're staying alive because they're worried about, you know, maybe it's okay to say, hey, it's okay to go. You know, we're fine down here. We're going to miss you. But so there's all kinds of circumstances, too. And sure. Michelle and I have probably seen that a lot with patients, too. Oh, yeah. I've had. Yeah. 20 minutes later, they pass away. And I've had some really. I used to be a hospice nurse. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I've had some experiences. Yeah. 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 The hospice nurse, um, I, you know, I dealt with that when my husband had died, he was on hospice for oh. two days, but, um, you know, those, they were amazing, you know, and, um, not only that, it was just, it was wonderful to have him home and, um, yeah. And we were able to just tell him how much we loved him and we were able to spend all that time with them. And, yeah. you know, when, I, when Jack was, that's my husband who died. Um, when Jack was, I could tell just getting towards the end. Um, I just remember I told him, I said, you know, Jack, it's okay. You can, you can stop fighting. You go, go be with our son. And Jack died probably about 30 minutes later. Wow. 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 Yeah. What a, what a gift to give your husband. Yeah. 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 There's, yeah. there's one more thing I wanted that night that we lost Sarah and she was, you know, up in the stars and all of that. But she said, mom, don't be sad. It's just the twinkling of an eye and we'll be back together, you know, or, you know, she just said, it's just nothing, nothing, you know, and we'll be back together again. So time is so different. On that yeah, side. On oh, that side. Yeah, I believe it too. I believe it. Well, Shannon. That's amazing. I, I'm just so excited you agreed to join us and share your story. I know people, a lot of the nurses that we know in common have heard your story, but you have some amazing points. And I, I'm just glad you came on well, to share it. I thank you, you know, so much, both of you for asking me because yeah. really, like I said, how the best healing I think the girls and I have had has been just by helping other people. So I hope this helps people that are listening to it. Oh, it definitely will. It definitely will. Um, you know, also, Shannon, we like to ask people, you know, if you have a favorite quote or a Bible verse or a song or anything that um, has kind of guided you through your um, light. Do you have one that you'd like to share with us? You know, I do have a lot of um, favorite, favorite. Um, I think the title of the book, which just sort of came to me, I felt like it was given to me listening to the light. So I think um, 
not only helping other people, but listening is part of it, but also for yourself, you know, like your journaling and, and the things that Michelle did. Take time to listen, you know. Um, and I think that's something that comes back to me all the time is that earth is about lessons and heaven is home. And I think that would be a I quote. like that. Yeah, earth is about yeah, lessons. Yeah, I love that. And you just... You do that. You try to do the next best thing, and you know what? It's hard down here. You're not always going to do everything perfect. You can just do the best you can. I I really love that. Earth is about lessons, yeah. but heaven is home. Yes. Where did yeah, you hear that? I love that. Somewhere um, along the way. Yeah, I actually came up with that. Oh, that's your quote. And actually, <laughs> one of the publishers I talked to at the writers' retreat, he said you should call your book that. And then this other title came to me, Listening to the Light. And I thought, well, I'll just use them both. But the title should probably be Listening to the Light. So I love that title. That's beautiful. That could, one, the other one could be the subtitle. Well, you're right. It could be. It could be. Because usually the title might be shorter uh-huh. and then the subtitle is a little longer. Yeah, that makes sense. And that, that, I think that really is what it's about. So. Speaking about titles, Angie, do you have a title yet? for your book that you are working on? Um, are you I'm not ready working to share? On, not ready to quite share with it. Yeah. But, um, well, we'll be on it. And and me too. Our, our listeners will be in on it when yeah. it happens. And I'm one of those listeners. So. <laughs> well, Shannon, thank you so much. Thank you. Both. Thank you, Shannon, so much. It's been a, such a pleasure and we can't wait to share this with the universe. 